This is the Ignition Show, an after-show edition. Hello, everyone. Welcome to or welcome back to the podcast. I'm Chris Jansen, host of the Ignition Show, and today is what we call our after-show. It's a special episode where we look back at the most recent interview and pulled apart to see how the ideas have impacted us. Us, by the way, refers to my wife and business partner, Sarah, and I. We're learning too, and not only have we created this podcast to help provoke, inspire, and fuel your greatness, but we're on our own journey. We want to learn and grow as individuals and as a couple, and heck, we're human too. We have days and moments when we're crushing it, and plenty of moments when we're not. So the After Show episodes are here to help you, help you to deepen the learning, speed the implementation of the great ideas, and accelerate the route to your greatest aspirations and an extraordinary life. We're excited to be on this journey with you side by side, moving forward with the entire Ignition Show community. We'd love to hear what stood out for you in this episode. So please go to our Facebook group, that's The Ignition Show on Facebook, and join if you haven't yet. And let us know what you heard from this episode that really impacted you. All right, it's time to ignite the spark within you. Let's get to the episode. So we're going to talk today in this after show about your conversation with Margaret Wheatley. And I, I want to just let everyone know and let you know that when I listen to these interviews, I don't listen to them in the vein of, oh, we're going to do an after show. You know, how am I going to recap this interview? I listen to it as a listener, just, right. just as if it's any podcast. And in your conversation with Margaret, there was a lot of talk about leadership in corporations. And I left the corporate world five years ago and I haven't looked back. So some of the some of the examples that were used when you're talking about a leadership team and bringing your direct reports versus the people, you know, your bosses together, that didn't relate to me as much as when I listened to it through the lens of, oh, if I, through the lens of relationships mm. and everything, everything that Margaret talked about and, and you piped in had such a powerful effect on me through the lens of relationships. When I think of those leadership lessons or questions you can ask yourself or just examples she used when I related it back to our relationship or relationships I have with, with friends or um, colleagues or associates, that was really powerful. That's great. And I, I think Margaret would be, will be tickled that uh, of the, we, we've taken it beyond the, the core, core message of, of leadership in the corporate space. And as we talked a bit about before we hit record here is that, uh, similarly, I left my corporate role working in a corporation uh, 10 years ago. I do a lot of work in corporations now, so I see a lot of the stuff that we talked about play out for sure, but also as a leader of our business that I took a lot for me personally as a leader, what I need to do or things that are really important to me. And, you know, the fundamental question, who do I choose to be is something I, I can certainly reflect on regardless. So, so I love what you said about about putting this in the lens of relationship. I didn't think about that at all, but I can see very quickly how could it apply? What specifically uh, were some points that really, I guess, stuck stuck for you? Well, so many things, especially when I think of relationships, I think of, you know, conflict management. Um, and that's not often the term you would use. You would use that in the corporate sense. Um, but, you know, getting through through issues with your with your spouse, with your partner, with a friend. And what I loved was when she, when Margaret said, um, when you when something goes wrong, that's really the measure of leadership. And I'm paraphrasing, and I'm probably bastardizing her her quote. But when something goes wrong, it's really how that leader responds and what they do that is the measure of great leadership. And what I loved is bringing 
the idea of bringing everyone together in a circle. So if it's a relationship, it's, you know, our relationship, it's you and I, we are everyone in that circle and it's not blaming, but what can you learn from it? Mm. And that was, that was really important because that's when we do that and we have done that in our relationship, that's when we, we blossom, we bloom and we, we get better. And sometimes we do it intentionally, sometimes very, you know, by accident, very, you know, accidentally. But she talks about in that context, talking about what, not blaming, but talking about what you're proud of and, and saying, I'm sorry. Mm. And that's, you know, in the context of relationships, that's so important. Yeah. I think her, her specific question was of the, of the three that she asked, uh, was how do we behave when something goes wrong? And the timing it was was interesting for me because I had just come out of a uh, a program that I was running with the team, and again the the leader spoke about the importance of kind of embracing mistakes. Mm. You know, and companies talk about this all the time. We need to be better at failing and failing faster, or failing forward, or however yeah. you talk about until it. people fail. Until and people then, fail, right? And most times, the initial reaction is not coming from a learning perspective. It is coming from a protection or correction or cover your butt cover your butt yeah and all of which come out of fear right are fear-based and i think i've heard uh, margaret speak about her time in the u.s army and that was the first time she was really exposed or first time in depth she was really exposed to a really learning organization where the Mm. first thing was what can we the first question is what can we learn here wow regardless of what the situation is and i think if you yeah if you translate that into a relationship let alone our relationship i think that's a that's a great question to ask if you're coming at it from a really curious, grounded, empathetic, compassionate place or whatever the whatever the state needs to be. Because right. sometimes even that question can be asked in our sarcastic way. <laughs> what can we learn here? <laughs> right? Waiting for the other person to... Uh, admit to, their guilt. Admit their guilt, right? And I think that is a great muscle, muscle to, to develop. But I think... Um, being more and more aware of, of how we individually, collectively respond, how do we behave specifically, how do we behave when something goes wrong, I think is is a really interesting question to ask. Hmm. And you, you brought up fear, and I thought her, her, her thing about not loving the word hope, I'm like, huh, why wouldn't someone love the word hope? And then she talks about it because it, it insinuates that there's fear attached. Hmm. And going deeper saying a great leader does the right thing because it's the right thing to do not because of the outcome that's desired and again i'm bastardizing how she spoke of it and she she spoke of it very eloquently but essentially doing the right thing for the sake of integrity not because you're hoping that it works out the way you want it to and i mean that's the essence of manifesting what you want and but it's also when again in the vein of relationships it's it's releasing yourself from the attachment that this is going to work out and just doing the, doing what you know is right. Um, and that plays out in our relationship or any relationship for that matter. When I notice for myself, when I detach from the other person liking me or from, from anything feeding my ego, when I detach from that and I do what I know is right, usually it always ends up in the best case scenario anyway. Yeah, and I was saying, saying to you earlier that I had an experience just, just the last couple of days where I needed to make a, make a decision about the, the direction that we're going. That's right. In. 
And, um, you know, it was one, it reminded me of some work that I've done in the past around how do you know when it's the right thing to do? So do you want to explain a little more about what that decision was? Yeah, sure. So, so for many years now, uh, more than 10 years, I've been consulting with a company. It's been a big, big part of my life and I've loved the work, but I've just came to the conclusion that uh, I really wanted to, I really wanted to, and we really wanted to really focus on our business and consulting for this other company was, it was, um, a work of joy, but it was taking time away from what we wanted to create and build. And I know you had a hard time making this decision because not only do you love the work, you love what the company stood for or stands for, you love the people you were working with, you always had great positive feedback coming back from any consulting gig you did. You would always come through the through the door and said, yeah, I made a difference. You know, I got this feedback and that feedback. Everything about that work was a positive experience for you. So it was just to put that into context, because I think you're downplaying it just a little bit. It was a really tough decision to say goodbye to that work because it did bring you so much joy. Yeah, you're right. And as part of that work, you know, we, we used to have the conversation of how do you know what the, what the right thing is to do? Yeah. And there are always those three markers. And I think I've talked about these before. It's number one, it aligns to your values. Um, <clears throat> number two is... Uh, it serves the greater good. And number three is a short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Mm. And what I've learned over the years is that that aspect of short-term sacrifice, sometimes people only think about short-term sacrifice, long-term gain, that might mean like, oh, I need to like, you know, spend less time on something, sacrifice some time or sacrifice some other goals or sacrifice this. But I have come to learn very clearly that the sacrifice you're really making is the discomfort of sitting in or working through the discomfort, the uncertainty, the nerves, the anxiousness of stepping up and doing the right thing. Right. And not it's our human nature to kind of shy away from or shrink from uh, stepping outside of our comfort zone. And um, but when you can make a decision that you can, you know, there's a longer term gain, it's aligned to your values and uh, it's for the greater good, even if it is a hard decision. You can make it with a sense of inner peace or serenity or, or groundedness that says, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know this is the decision that needs to be made. And right. I think as a... And it's the right thing to do. And it's the right thing to do. And as a leader in whatever context that is, if it's a business, a family, a certain corporation, um, you, are, you are, by taking on the role of a leader, you are perhaps unwittingly, sometimes knowingly, taking on the burden of leadership. And the big, big burden of leadership is making tough decisions, or at least decisions that you know, that feel that feel tough. Um, but when you can see it as the right decision to make, you can make it with a lot more ease, burn a lot less stress over it, and put more energy into things that really matter going forward. You know what I liked about what Margaret said because when I was thinking about my time in corporate as a as a leader, I was you know middle management. I had a team of of eight, but I also had many people above me, and I, when you were talking about leadership in the beginning, my head went to immediately what Margaret addressed later on. It's like, okay, but what if the people above me aren't, aren't showing or exemplifying the leadership that we're aspiring to? And her comment was, you know, focus on you, focus on your little island of sanity, focus on your sphere of influence, your sphere of, of influence. So don't worry about the people above you, but focus on the people below you. One, I think if I had thought of that and, and known that and more importantly um, lived that in my corporate days, I would have been a much better leader. And I've said many times on this, I think I've said many times 
on this podcast. I know I've said at least once, um, but I probably will say many times, I could have been a much better leader back in my corporate life if I had known a lot of these principles. So then taking those principles and looking at it from a relationship perspective. Um, if I am able to eliminate, you know, what my parents used to say or, or what I think people expect of relationships and all of those, you know, not bosses per se, but the people that went ahead of me, the authority figures, authority uh, figures, um, people who I, I really respected and what they said about relationships. If I eliminate that and just focus on what I believe to be right for me, for us, for our family, it, um, you know, taking, taking, taking Margaret's myopic view of just your sphere of influence and focusing on your island of sanity, then things would be so much better than, and I also wouldn't have so many inner conflicts about Mm -hmm. what I should be doing because I would just do what I know is right. So on that note, is there any live situation or circumstance right now that you're, you've been wrestling with having some inner conflict and you feel like this is giving you maybe a new lens to look at that and say, "I, I, I know what the right thing to do is. I don't have any inner conflict now, but as you ask me that question, I think of this coming weekend when my parents are visiting and oftentimes after my parents leave, you and I have just a little bit of tension in our relationship because I often unconsciously and unintentionally mimic the way my parents interact, specifically my mom treats my my dad and I take on that persona and I treat you the same way, which is not the way we normally interact or want to interact. So for me, the inner conflict isn't um, how I behave per se, but oftentimes it's when I do something and and I'll be more specific. Um, oftentimes my mom is, is um, chi- not chiding my dad because she's actually very serious. She's like, you know, you're not doing that or could you do this better or you don't do this right or, or things like things like that that drive me crazy. And mom, I apologize if I'm outing you in public, if you're hearing this. Um, but when they leave, I find myself doing the same thing. And my inner conflict is, oh, it's so much easier to blame someone else versus apologizing to you for, um, for treating you that way, because it's, it's not the right thing. Like sometimes the way I, you know, and it doesn't last that long and it's getting shorter and shorter in my own defense, but it does happen. And I just need to own up and fess up and catch myself in what I know is right versus just letting it slide. And, and, um, yeah, so that's not necessarily my mom is expecting it, but she's setting the example for that. And then I take that on when she, when they're around. Well, is that a decent example? Is that what you were looking for? That <laughs> not, what, not what I expected, <laughs> but uh, it certainly is uh, good to hear, and I'd be happy to help you in any particular and, way. And you're saying this for the podcast. We've had this conversation yeah. many, many we times, yeah. and pretty much every time they leave, you say that to me. I'd be happy to help you with this at any point. And it it is getting less and less. I'm catching myself sooner and sooner, but it's not. It's it hasn't disappeared, and. Mm. If this is too much information, I am saying this in the spirit of our last after show when my aha moment and my moment of inspiration was was through that and and realizing that I brush over a lot of details. So in this episode, I actually came to it specifically 
thinking I'm going to go into too much detail if necessary, just to get my point across. Well, I applaud that. And I, I encourage that, especially the, the point that you want to, you want to work on. And it makes me come back to the, the question Margaret asked is how do we behave when something goes wrong or how do I behave when something goes wrong? Mm. And I think there's a variety of things that we could, we could certainly go deeper and deeper and deeper out of that one in our own relationship. Well, maybe this is the, I'm, <laughs> I'm proud that it's getting shorter and shorter and I'm sorry mm. that it happens to begin with. Uh, well, I appreciate that comment on all fronts. <laughs> Before, I know we're running out of time, but can we just talk about one thing that was like maybe the most important point of this whole, of your whole conversation with Margaret? And that was towards the, the end of the conversation. It was the importance of the time to think. Yes. And I know I'm taking this kind of in a different direction right now, but it was so important. And it, it actually made me stop what I was doing while listening to the podcast and being like, this is one thing that you and I have talked about so many times. And I remember, I remember when I was in corporate and it haunts me to this day, the, the idea of sitting in my chair and not doing anything from the vantage point of the outside world. They don't see me quote unquote doing anything. That's a really tough thing for me to do. It's really tough. It was tough for me when I had a job and I thought my bosses expected me to be quote unquote doing something all the time and it was even harder when I left corporate and I became a business owner and self-employed and the idea of setting aside time to think was really really tough again because my mentality and the way I was brought up in in the you know in corporate life but also parental influence was to be doing something to be quote unquote productive and I didn't see reading for example or thinking as productive a productive use of time for me reading was enjoyable and thinking was a luxury yeah that was a huge point for me as well and i'm glad margaret and i had a chance to get into it and it's as you you and i have talked about this a lot going into this year that it's one of the things that i have been missing and i've been craving for myself is time to think and that it doesn't just mean staring out the window but sometimes that is but it just, and it doesn't but, necessarily mean going to journal because i know sometimes that yeah. is thinking time yeah. but journaling is is oftentimes reflection or just um uh what happens when things flow out of your head and and just brain dumping brain dumping or uh uh flow of consciousness right it's not necessarily thinking right um, so I, yeah, I would love to spend more time just thinking. It still seems like I'm even saying it, if I were to say to you, I'm just going to go to the coffee shop and think, it well, then, doesn't feel comfortable. Well, then you just need to reframe that, right? Cause if that's, that's the barrier, then that's crazy. So, <laughs> so yeah, you obviously you're going to think about something. So even if in your own head, if you needed to look at it to say, I'm going to go design a better way to do xyz i'm going to go figure out this prop this thing that's been you know i've been wrestling with i'm going to whatever it might be see that sounds better yeah, and exactly and just the idea the the concept of time to think sounds amazing and we should all be doing it as i said saying it out loud seems seems uncomfortable for me so i need to do some some more work on that but i like how you've reframed it in terms of okay let's be more more conscious about this what am i going to think about yeah and uh, as margaret said uh we're very good at deluding ourselves oh, yes. and if you are telling yourself that time to think isn't good use of time then you're deluding yourself 
because you're just going to be doing, I'm not just talking to you, you, but, 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 um, if you are in a position of leadership in your home, in your business, in your corporation, in a relationship, um, you need to think because if you're just doing, you end up being very reactive. And for both of us, we felt like last year was crazy reactive. So it was a really good reinforcement for me that as we continue to go forward with this podcast and this business and other things that we want to launch this year, uh, that I need to think. And for me, that's work time. That's absolutely work time. I mean, we can come in a variety of different formats. It could be research. It could be Googling stuff. It could be listening to the podcast. It could be taking notes. It could be journaling. It could be designing things. It could be going through books on my bookshelf. But it's th- it's not trying to create something. It's, it's, it's marinating and immersing myself in the process of creation. And um, I know that that's absolutely vital. So what does that look like in practice? For me, it does look like blocking off time in the calendar. And I might go into it saying, oh, this is thinking time for me. And I'm okay. I'm okay with that language. That doesn't, that doesn't I know. Actually, I'm, I'm very envious of you to say, you actually say that. You're like, I'm going to go to the coffee shop and, and think. I'm going to. Well, and I have this conversation a lot of times in workshops with leaders when we have in a similar vein. And, you know, one of the common bad habits that people have is they block time in their own calendar for themselves. And then they're very good at just dismissing that and letting other things take over and, and, and disregarding that the time they'd set aside. And I ask people, well, what do you, when you put it in your calendar, what do you literally put? And they'll just put like block or right. personal time or whatever it may, or reflection or so like it doesn't actually, no meetings. It doesn't reflect the importance of that time. It doesn't reflect the importance of time. It doesn't also reflect their outcomes or what they're trying to do or what really matters there. So if it was, um, you know, just labeling that little invite or that little time in your calendar as whatever it might be, it's going to be different for everybody, but it could be strategic planning. Ooh, suddenly that sounds important. <laughs> uh, it could be, uh, you know, proactively designing the next quarter of my business. Right. That's super, super important because if right. the leader isn't doing it, then who is? Right. Or deciding how to deal with this conflict management on my team. Exactly. Resolve this con- resolve the conflict, right? Or it could be just be you know, leader time. It's, you know, leader time, colon, conflict resolution. What a great thing for a leader to focus on. So sometimes we have to play mind games with ourselves because the mind game of saying that thinking time doesn't work or it feels uncomfortable, that's just that's just a mind game that, that you've bought into. And sometimes we have to play mind games back to our own mind and just do whatever it takes to make it enjoyable, fun, powerful, whatever the right adjective is. What made that, what would make that time really meaningful, uh, in, enjoyable, and fulfilling? What was, if you could distill this entire interview down to one great takeaway for you, what was it? I would say, and I wouldn't have naturally used the language, but I will borrow from Margaret and the whole island of sanity, that if a, a leader isn't being proactive on being intentional on how they're spending their time and their energy from a leadership perspective, then they're not leading. They're in a position with a title, perhaps, or seniority, um, but they're not leading. They're just getting tossed on the waves like everyone else at sea and they are uh, drastically um, falling short of what's expected of them or what's needed of them at this time. Hmm. That's great. I'm going to wrap this up and this was a great discussion and I loved, I loved hearing what you guys were discussing. I especially loved hearing it through the lens of relationships as I, as I was listening to it. For me, the biggest takeaway for, was 
I can be a leader within a relationship. It doesn't have to be in the corporate setting as we often read all of these books about leadership and, and oftentimes they're related to corporate. We can be a leader anywhere in our life. I'm looking forward to the next interview that you're having and I look forward to being back in in two weeks on our next after show. But in the meantime, we would love to hear from you, the listener. What was your biggest takeaway from this from this interview with, with Margaret Wheatley? Did anything resonate for you that we covered or maybe something that we didn't cover? We'd love to hear from you. Go to our Facebook page, The Ignition Show, or, or Facebook group, I should say, or go to our website, the theignitionshow.com forward slash connect, and you'll be able to uh, leave us a voicemail. That's our favorite way to hear from you. We love hearing those, and we love hearing all of the comments you leave on our on our blogs. So until next time. Until next time. So there you have it, our after show edition. As always, if you like what you hear, subscribe, rate the show, or leave a review in iTunes. It helps others find us and helps us get better. We actually read every single review and comment that comes through iTunes, Facebook, and our website, and respond to as many people as we can. We especially love hearing your real live voice, and you can leave comments and questions for us to include in future episodes as an audio message by going to theignitionshow.com slash connect. That's theignitionshow.com slash connect. We'd really love to build a community around you and your questions. And lastly, remember, whatever you dream of, whatever you hope for, and secretly wish you had, you're closer than you think you are, you're meant to have it, and you absolutely deserve it. Until next time, I'm Chris Jansen. And I'm Sarah Jansen. And this is The Ignition Show.